hey, listen, um, <clears throat> Jesus, you got to help me. Oh, my gosh. My wife is pregnant, man. Oh, wow. So, okay, okay, yeah, you get excited for that. That's fine. Listen, she's she pregnant with a, with a boy. Oh, my goodness. So, listen, it, can I just be real with you guys? It's just us, right? They didn't come. It's just you, me, and us, right? Like, um, uh, I was hoping for a girl, right? Because inside of my mind, I thought, like, if it's a girl, it's, it's going to be more like her. It'll be less like me. Yeah, there you go. It's right. Listen, this cat, if it come out three foot six with beard tattoos, three misdemeanors, man. <laughs> I need y'all's prayers. Y'all got to help me. Y'all got, but on a serious level, listen, if I could ask the church for anything, anything in the world, knowing that they were going to give me just this one thing, um, I would ask you guys to pray for our pastor. Listen, I, I beg you to pray for our pastor. Nobody's been here before. Nobody's done this. Nobody, you know, like it, it, something else happens. I mean, you get on the phone, you call Barry down the street, you call the guy over here broad run, say, hey, what have you guys been doing to go with this? There's nobody call, right? No, nobody's pastored through this before, right? He needs our prayers. He needs your prayers more than ever before. Listen, if you pray, if you pray at all, please, I beg you, pray for our pastor. He's fine, except for you guys. He got to deal with you, but... But pray for him, right? He needs the wisdom from the Lord. So um, if you would please join me in praying for that uh, in the future. Now, we'll just jump right in. Now, uh, this is Matthew 26, verse 20. It says, now when even was come, he sat down with the 12, he being Jesus. And as they did eat, he said, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Verse 22 says, and they were exceeding sorrowful and begin every one of them to say unto the Lord, Lord, is it I? Man, I challenge you this morning. Would you be willing to listen for yourself? Will you just listen for yourself, right? Like, like us as a human race, right? In 2020, we forgot how to listen for ourselves, right? Would you just listen in order to grow closer in your relationship with the Lord? Would you listen for yourselves, right? We listen in 2020. We listen in order to be right. We listen to try to prove our point. We listen to try to prove ourselves right. Would you be willing to listen for yourself, not listen in order to justify your beliefs or listen in order to, to justify your actions. Rather, would you listen just being willing, right, to learn and maybe make the appropriate adjustments to our beliefs and to our actions based upon his word, right? We listen for everybody else instead of listening for ourselves. We see so-and-so in the forums, mm, praise the Lord, she's here, she needs this. She gonna need to hear this, right? We see old boys sitting in a pew across from us, man. Praise God, he's here. If anybody needs it, right, he's the one who needs it. But listen, our response ought to be, Lord, is it I? Do you understand? These were the disciples on the way to becoming apostles. They wrote the New Testament. They spent more time with Jesus than anybody. Listen. If anybody's response to Jesus is correct, it's theirs. And it wasn't, oh, praise God that she's hearing it. It was, Lord, is it I? Is it me? So I challenge you this morning, would you just listen for yourself? Would you listen to learn? 
Don't listen to prove a point, but listen for you first. The longest recorded prayer that Jesus prayed is found in John 17, right? And in light of all the recent events, all the schisms, the, the division, well, I believe Jesus left us some gold inside of that prayer. Right within the context of this passage, we find Jesus, he's getting ready to be arrested. Right? And so in some of this final kind of moments with his disciples, <clears throat> he calls them together for some final words. Right? So we find this, right? Within the next 24 hours, Jesus will be arrested. They'll begin the process in taking him to the cross. So he gathers his disciples together for some final um, thoughts, some final words. And at the conclusion of this time, knowing that his crucifixion was near, he prays for them. And we read, listen, not only does he pray for them, but we read, I think it was in verse 20, he says, not only do I pray for them, but I pray for all of those who are going to believe on me through them. Right? So he's saying, I, I'm praying for every single Christian that is to come. So in Jesus' prayer, he, look, he's praying for you. He's, he's praying for me. And, and within this prayer, we find the power of unity and the importance of being unified. Notice with me a few of the references. Right, the end of verse 11, he says that they may be one as we are one. The beginning of verse 21, they all may be one. Right, the second half of verse 22, that they may be one even as we are one. The first part of verse 23, I and them and thou and me, that they may be perfect, may be made perfect in one. Listen, Jesus is concerned that his followers emulate or match or replicate the oneness that he and the Father had, it's, it's so evident right through this scripture. And as we try to dive in, hopefully you can see why. But listen, since the topic is unity, let's take a second um, to, to define it. Let's take a second to describe it. Because listen, just because you're here, just because we're all in the same room getting ready to worship or worshiping, right, doesn't mean that we're all on the same page. Right, so let's take a second to define it. Jesus says, I want them to be one as you and I are one. Right, so the unity that we are to have is to be a replica of the unity that he shared with the Father. Right, so what does that mean? What is involved with that unity? We'll look at verse four. Verse four, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Unity has to do with oneness of purpose, right? He says, I completed the work. So unity has to do with purpose, but unity is not sameness, right? It doesn't mean that everybody is the same. Rather, unity is uniqueness or distinctiveness headed in the same direction in order to achieve a mutual purpose. Unity is purpose-driven. It's not individual-driven, right? Listen, when the nationals take the field, Right, your World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Who's that? Praise God. When the Nationals take the field, everybody's not the same. Listen, there's a lot of different positions played by, played by a lot of different individuals. And these, these positions, they take different skill sets, right, by different people who come from different backgrounds. But there's only one goal. 
right? And so all these different individuals with all these different skills, they're pursuing the same goal for their differences, catch this, are designed for a purpose. Unity isn't sameness because the Father is not the Son and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, right? They are three distinct persons, yet they're all on the same page because they're pursuing the same purpose, right? Dr. Tony Evans, he said, he said unity is like a pretzel, right? The, the, the first hole isn't the second hole, and the second hole is not the third hole, but they're all tied together by the same dough. Unity is goal-oriented. It is purpose-driven. Thus, everybody begins pursuing their own purpose, Listen, when, when everybody's pursuing their own purpose, when there's competing goals, there's always going to be conflict. And listen, it's okay for someone to be different from you, right? Our differences were by design. They are on purpose. In fact, they were ordained by God from eternity on purpose for a purpose. God doesn't expect conformity, right? Jesus, he pleads for unity, but that doesn't mean that everybody's got to be the same or look the same or even act the same, but that unity does involve oneness of purpose. You ever been to a high school orchestra performance? Like a concert? Right, you got a, you got a lot of different instruments. They're each played differently. They make their own unique sound. Right, if you get there early enough, you, you hear them all warming up. Right, they're playing like different notes at different times. Right, different ways in their own way. It's complete chaos. It's madness. It doesn't, it doesn't sound good, right? Discord. Oh, but then Mr. Tester takes the stage. Right, the conductor, he comes out. And what's he doing? He taps the music stand with his baton. Right, in order to gain their attention, to call their attention to him, he taps it with his baton. And then when he gets their attention, he holds it up. Now, all of a sudden, all these different sounds made by different people are able to come together because their focus is on him. And suddenly, all these different sounds are harmonized. And what you have is one song because everybody has the same purpose. Jesus says that he and the unity that he and the Father share is tied to the fact that he has completed the work that the Father has called him to do. Oh, watch me now. It's all roses up until this point. In order to achieve this unity, there had to be submission to legitimate authority. <clears throat> is right. <clears throat> John 17, verse 4, he says, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So listen, even though the two are equal, right, the son submitted to the will of the father in order to accomplish the goal of the kingdom. So unity has everything to do with purpose, and it has nothing to do with persons, right? It involves submission to real authority with a common goal, the purpose, so how do we get there, right? How do we achieve that? There is a key element that I think we find in the passage, right? Look, look, verse 17 and verse 19. Verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Verse 19, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. His goal, his prayer, his plead is unity, but the road to unity is sanctification in the truth. 
right? In other words, if there is no truth, there can be no real legitimate unity, right? This means that you're going to have to know the truth. Right, not, not preferences, not probabilities, right, not potentialities, but you're going to have to know the real, actual truth. Truth is an absolute standard by which you can measure reality. Right, truth lives outside of you. It is what is called objective, right? It's true whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, whether you accept it or not, whether you believe it or not. If it's true, it's truth. Just because you believe something doesn't make it true, right? Just because you believe something doesn't make it true. In, in our world, most of us operate on what we believe to be true, right? You hear it all the time. That's what you hear people say, like, oh, um, I think or I feel or I believe it to be, right? That's, that's what you call subjective, Right? That's what you call subjective truth because it's subject not to be true. Right? It's, it's subject to change based upon individual experiences. It's subject not to be true because we are imperfect subjects. The truth is objective. It's outside of you. It exists whether you're down or not. Right? It is objective, absolute standard by which we can measure reality. Listen, the, the faithfulness of God is the foundation of truth. By his very nature alone, he cannot lie, right? He is righteous. He is holy. He is all of these things. If he lies, he ceases to be these things. He would cease to be God. So by his very nature alone, he cannot lie. And that is the foundation of everything that's true. The truth. To be sanctified means to be set apart for a purpose. Jesus says in verse 19 that he sanctified or he set himself apart based upon the truth to fulfill the goal or the purpose that God has for him, for me. Then in the second part of the verse, Jesus says, sanctify them the same way that I am sanctifying myself. What would you say? You went to the dentist, right? You went to the dentist. He says, well, I, I think there's cavity in that tooth, right? Like, listen, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I'm guessing. It's a good guess, right? But I, I don't really know. Like, it's my best guess. But, hey, it's okay because we're just going to keep drilling until we find one anyway. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm going to find another dentist, Right? I'm getting out, I'm going out there, I'm going to find another dentist because before I go through that suffering, I'm going to need a little bit of certainty in my life. Right? And then it's the same way with the doctor. It's the exact same way with the pharmacist and your medicine. Right? And it's the same way when it comes to your salvation. Listen, you, you go to the pastor, you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm lost, right? Like, I feel like I'm, I'm lost. I could be going to a, a sinner's hell. Like, how do I know that I can have a home in heaven? Right? And the pay, oh, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways, but my best guess would be, <laughs> oh, no. Right? Listen, I, I need some certainty in my life, right? And you want some certainty in your life. You don't want these cats guessing, can I tell you something? God doesn't want you guessing with your life either. Truth takes the guesswork out of life. 
Truth takes the guesswork out of life. Romans 3, 4, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. So here it is, just as real as it gets, right? Just as easy as I can break it down. You want to know what the truth is? The truth is God's view on the subject. Right? You feeling cloudy? You don't know? It's a little foggy? The truth of the matter is whatever God thinks about the subject. So guess what? I don't care who told it to you, but if it contradicts what God says and what his word says, then that person is a liar. Listen, I don't care if your daddy told it to you. If it contradicts the word of God, your daddy's a liar. Listen, if the boys told it to you and it contradicts God's word, then the fellas are nothing but liars. I don't care if your own mama told it to you. If it contradicts the word of God, your mama's a liar. If the government contradicts the word of God, the government is lying. I don't care how many people come to vote for it. I don't care how many people want it, show up to support it, like it, feel it. If it contradicts the word of God, it's not the truth. John 8, 31, verses 31 and 32 says, Then said Jesus unto those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. Verse 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. A whole lot of us are still in bondage, because we're operating on the facts instead of the truth. Hold on, stick with me now. I said a whole lot of us are still in bondage because we're merely operating on the facts instead of the truth. Listen, the truth is bigger than the facts. My leg hurts. Just say my leg hurts. Man, my leg is killing me. Right, I get out the old frozen bag of peas. I put it on my leg. Man, I give it 20 minutes. I put it back in the freezer again. I give it 20 more minutes, right? Oh, still no relief. It's killing me. Oh, you got to help me, right? I go in. I don't want to, but, but I take some pills because I need the relief, right? So I take some, I take some pills and I go to bed praying. Listen, I hope, I hope when I get up, there's some relief and this thing don't hurt no more. Oh, I wake up, my leg's still hurting. So now, like any man, right, like no man said ever, right, I submit, I go to the doctor, right, because I need relief. My leg is killing me. I go to the doctor, the doctor says, well, let's try to get to the root of the issue, take some x-rays of your leg, come to find out my leg is fractured. Now, the facts is my leg hurts. Listen, you can't tell me. I know what the facts are. My leg hurts. I can feel it, right? I know it's hurting. There's pain deep down inside. Other people can see that I'm hurting, right? That's the facts. But the truth is that my leg is fractured. It is broken. Do you understand? The facts are merely fruits of the truth. The facts are merely just the fruit of the truth. And if you and I are not operating on the truth, then there's going to be no way for us to be set apart with a purpose, right? There will be no unity because we're not pursuing the same goals. We're not striving for the same purpose because we're only operating on the fruits, right? What we can see rather than the root. And everybody perceives everything just a little bit different. And listen, until we get to the point where we're operating on the root, the truth, from the truth, from God's standard, instead of what we feel, right, based upon what we see, then there's never going to be any real legitimate unity. 
And we as a church are never more vulnerable than when we are divided. Listen, the attacks of Satan haven't changed, right? The attacks of hell have never changed. It's always been divided, you fall, right? Divide and conquer. First Peter 5, 8, be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. You ever seen a, a lion hunt? They ain't attacking the whole herd. Matthew 12, 25, and Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is bought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. It's different parts. It's different members must unite in purpose. There's only one way that that is ever going to be possible is if we set ourselves apart from the world based upon the truth of God for the purpose of promoting the kingdom of God. But look, if, if in my sin, I am undoing what you've already done, right? And in your beliefs, you are undoing what we have done, right? And in his feelings, he's warring against um, her wants. We're never going anywhere but backwards. That's why the basis for everything that we do must always be rooted in truth if we ever hope to stand united. Ephesians 6, verse 13, it says, Wherefore, um, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, verse 14, here it is, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. But you're going to have to get right with the truth, right? You're going you're gonna to have to get right with the truth, not the facts, before you can ever get any righteousness. Right, Because the Bible tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. But if you have faith in the truth, then you can set yourself apart. You can be sanctified according to his righteousness. Now, suddenly, we can all be in one accord with one purpose. And if you don't believe that there is power in that, man, I challenge you to go back and read Acts chapter 2. Right, pastor preached on it a few weeks ago. Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. But listen, it only takes one. Yeah, it only takes one. Right, and instead of looking around saying, look, I, I bet it's going to be him. You've seen what he's been doing or who she's been hanging out with or, or how he acts or the things they've been posting. I bet it'll be them that causes the division. We ought to be looking up saying, Lord, is it I? Is it me? Is it anything that I'm doing? We ought to be searching our hearts. Lord, is it I? You remember in... The book of Joshua in the beginning, right? We find the, we find the Israelites, they're, they're gathered together, they're, they're unified, right? For one purpose, once again, right? They're finally about to enter into the promised land, right? I mean, it took the death of a, an entire generation. I mean, even the leader had to go based upon his disobedience. But finally, they're all on the same page again. Right, united once again with one purpose, right? Get everybody home into everything that God has promised for us. Sounds a lot like what our purpose should be anyway. 
right? Get everybody home into what God has promised. All the riches, all the glory of the land, right for the taking, just as God promised. But the first city, right? All the treasure of the first city is to come to the Lord. Now listen, this ain't a message on the tithe, but if the shoe fits, man, the plates are still in the back. Right? It doesn't matter. All the plunder, all the riches of the first city go to the Lord. You can bring out the prostitute. Again, proof that faith has nothing to do with morality, but that's not the message for today either. All the plunder, all the riches, all the treasure are to go to the Lord and you got to burn everything else. Rahab can come out, but the treasure goes to the tabernacle and you got to burn everything else. Oh, but there's always one. Right? Achan, he's not, he's not united with the rest of the children of God. He's not united in purpose. Rather, he's, he's promoting his own purpose himself. Right? And then that, that division cost them the very next battle, cost them the lives of 36 men. Right? The power and the glory of God reigns when his children stand united. Are you willing to just be real with yourself this morning? Right? Don't look around. Look up and say, Lord, is it I? Is it me? Is it something that I've been doing? Have I been promoting my own purpose? Have I been operating on anything other than the truth? I don't care what the facts say. There's a story as old as time. There's, a, there's an admiral in the U.S. Navy. Maybe you've heard it before. And he's sailing. And a call comes across the radio. He says, listen, turn five degrees south. Right? The admiral comes back. And he says, no, you turn five degrees north. Call comes back across the line and says, Turn five degrees south or there will be a collision. Admiral gets back on the line and says, no, I'm an admiral in the United States Navy. And I told you to turn five degrees. Call comes back, says, no, you turn five degrees. I am the lighthouse. Right? Listen, God is not in the business of negotiating the truth just because you want to change your direction. If it's foggy in your life, you better look to his standard, right? You better look to his stance on the matter. Not what you think or what you feel, but you better look to his standard and say, Lord, is it I? Am I the one that needs to make the change? Do I need to make the adjustments? You and your truth and your word, the truth, it's not changing for anybody. So, Lord, what do I have to do in order to stand united with my brothers and my sisters in one accord, set apart for one purpose, based upon your truth? Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.